You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. That time of the week and uh, on cue, the weather in Melbourne has decidedly, uh, just decided it's not the sort of weather that anyone would play football in. Look, we've got some terrific guests uh, on State of Our Football Nation and it's only fitting that we start with a George. In fact, a Georgia. Her name is Georgia Yeomandale. She's part of the the uh, the Network 10 CBS Paramount Plus uh, uh, commentary team. Tara Rushton, of course, is the, uh, the host with the most. Uh, but the person they like to go to to get a, a sense of what's happening in the game is that former fighting midfielder, uh, from the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, Georgia, are, are you on the line there? I am. Hello, boys. How uh, are you? Thank you for finding the time to, to catch up with us, especially in a week where you've had already so much to do and so much football to watch. Uh, let's talk about the Matildas before we go any further. What did you make of the game? Yeah, look, I think that there are positives to take from it, but as a whole, I, I was quite disappointed, um, to be completely honest. I think that the performance wasn't up to the standard that we're used to seeing our Matildas playing at. And although we did have quite a few young players um, making their way in the squad, I just I, I think that there was a little something missing. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to give it to them in the second game. We saw that never-say-die attitude from the Matildas and they managed to get a draw from the world number ones in the USA. So um, I think there's positives and, and a lot of learnings to take from those mm. two games. Uh, honesty is always the best policy. Uh, <laughs> Josh and I have been talking about who's actually picking the team right this minute because I'm, I'm sure Tony has, has got a, a, the other added dilemma of trying to find out, you know, all those, uh, the, that wonderful cast that he's got. Uh, he doesn't see them every week. Unlike being a coach, for example, of a W League side or an A League women's side, where you see them each and every week, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, you know their shortcomings. In the national squad, it's infinitely more difficult. Now, you've played five times for the Matildas. Uh, you know what some of the challenges are and how difficult it is to make that step from playing um, in, the, in, the, in the elite leagues of, of, uh, of Australia and then having to step up and play international football. You might give us a sense of your thinking. Yeah, look, it is really difficult. Firstly, I'll touch on um, the, the Tony Gustafson. I think that he's definitely got a keen eye on all the players in their dom- domestic leagues, whether that's in Australia or abroad. Uh, but it is a really tough thing to to step up into that national team. And although players may be very good at domestic level and especially within Australia, international football is a totally different game in terms of the speed of the game, the physicality and the speed in which you have to make decisions. And I think that that's where we see some players fall short is they can be absolute standout superstars in, in the A-League women's and, and then they try and play international football and it's, they're just not quite up to scratch. Um, so I think that although you know he's keeping a close eye on players domestically, it's once they come into that international environment, whether it's into a training camp and training amongst the rest of the Matildas, um, that's when they, they can really be tested and we find out how far they really can go. Where's their, where's their ceiling in, t- in terms of their, uh, 
football and also just for the young players that are being called up into the camp, it's it's a huge uh, task for them to step up and they'll relish in the opportunity that they've been given and be able to take that back to club land and, and increase the, the quality in the league here too. Georgia, it's Josh here. Uh, I see this lineup and I look at a lot of square pegs in round holes and players being asked to fill in in unfamiliar positions and that's not... Uh, an unfamiliar situation for the Matildas over the past few years, particularly the defensive midfield slot. We'd never found an answer. Depth at centre-back, never quite found an answer. And then you get these flow-on effects where some of the specialists like Steph Catley, uh, who's one of the world's best fullbacks, being asked to play in the middle, mm. uh, leaves a spot for uh, Tamika Yallop, who I've never seen her play left-back in her life, uh, turning out there against the USA. Uh, what do you make of these uh, these positional shifts? Is it a matter of getting the 11 best players on the park at the same time, whatever their positions are? Or is there a, a balance that Gustafsson has to strike? Yeah, look, I think you raise a really good point and it, it has been an issue over sort of the last five to ten years of we don't have depth in the squad. We we have a starting 11 who can compete with anyone in the world, uh, but in a lot of key positions, we don't have players to fill in and we really have seen that over the last two years in that central mid defensive midfield position, losing Elise Callon-Knight to an ACL. Um, then we've tried to improvise with Emily Van Egmond, who has done a great job in terms of uh, setting the tone of the game and making sure that um, you know we're, we're settled through that midfield position, but it's not a natural position mm. for her, and she doesn't provide the same link that link as Elise Callon-Knight. And then central defenders, obviously, um, having a a game against world number one where you two like first pick center backs in Claire Polkinghorne and Alana Kennedy are both unavailable. Um, it just really highlighted that, uh, the lack of depth in that position. Um, and I think that when it came to the second game, Tony Gustafson was saying, okay, well, let's put our, our best 11 players on the field and, and see how we, um, how we go because he wanted to make sure that we were still competing um, and we were still seen as uh, a winning team, I suppose, globally. Mm. But whether that solves our problems going forward, I don't think so. Um, I think the search for players to fill in those positions is is definitely still on and um, he'll, he'll be looking across all uh, leagues globally for Australian players who can fill in those positions leading into the Asian Cup next year and then the World Cup in 2023. You mentioned Elise Kellen Knight there, who's the the absence that we've never made up for. And I, I was almost reaching for the sick bag reading uh, some of the injury strife that she's gone through in the multiple surgeries and yeah. having nerves removed and so forth. Um, but do you see any players who could play that role and, and could, mm. you know, at least uh, imitate Emerge, some of what she can do? We mm. saw Claire Wheeler uh, have a cameo off the bench, and yes, it was very short, but I thought very impactful, and, and winning the ball mm. led to Australia's goal. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. I, I'm kind of um, baffled as to why she hasn't been given more of an opportunity given her dominance in the, in the A-League women's uh, last season for Sydney FC, and then her ability to step up into the national team and just flourish. We saw um, great passages from her in the Brazil games as well, in the limited minutes that she got. Um, she actually won a ball deep and, and created a counter-attacking opportunity that we scored off. And then it was almost a mirror image thing in the second game against the US where 
she's the one on the field that that is that link between the defence and attack. Um, why she hasn't been given a bigger opportunity to play at international level, I I don't know. Um, but for me, I think that she is a clear answer at this point um, for a replacement of Elise Kellon Knight. It's always exciting when you see players who can impress and make an impact, whatever they're doing. Uh, one player who has done it almost from the first time I saw her play was is Mary Fowler. Uh, the only question I have, and it's not a criticism, it's just an observation, I'd love to see her do a little bit more. You might remember um, that break just after half time where uh, Sam has made a tremendous run forward and just behind, just behind, you could see Mary trailing. Um, there was an option there. If she'd just stepped up a little bit more, she would have been in the prime position to take a, re- a return pass. But again, um, very hard to read her mind. Her vision, more often than not, is astounding. It really is world class. When Mary decides to, to pick a player mm. 30, 40 yards up, well, it's almost inch perfect. And that is that is something you just can't train. That's, yeah, she that's just she is a, she is a superstar, um, and it's been so exciting to see her flourish over the last couple of years. But I totally agree with you. I think that you know if we were to criticise Mary, it's that we want more, and yeah. that's because we can see what she can <laughs> do. Um, and I think if anything. Uh, you know, she disappears in games at times yeah. and, and doesn't get on the ball. And we saw that a lot in the first game against the US. Um, I think in the first half, she only got four or five touches on the ball. For mm. a cent- central midfielder, that's just not acceptable. So mm. once we see her get on the ball, it opens everything up. And, and she's an 18-year-old, <laughs> is so critical yeah. in this um national team and and that's kind of like amazing in terms of her ability uh, but it's also a lot of pressure on her shoulders and it's now how does she grow into that role and and you know build on that and become more consistent in her game you know it's 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 unfair of us but we want her to take the game by the scruff of the neck and impose herself don't we it's almost (laughs) and i'm wondering how you're feeling you're sitting next to harps and Harp's about seven foot tall, and you're sitting there trying to inch your way closer, saying, come on, give me some room. Um, you, you, you know that she's got the talent. It, will the penny drop? Do you, do you see that maturity? You know, you've watched her an awful lot. I, I just get we, – we see her only in these international matches, and I think her maturation has been seriously exciting. Are you seeing that as well? Can you see a moment when let, – let's, let's get – let's dream for a minute – uh, opening round of the Women's World Cup 2023, and she's just picking and taking the opposition, you know, apart. Yeah, I I definitely see that in Mary's future, and all you need to look at is her short international career and pre-Olympics. Uh, there was a game against Germany where she's turned the ball over. Um, has kind of dropped her head and they've gone up the other end, counter-attacked and scored and we were kind of sitting there going, okay, well, maybe she's not ready for international football. Look where she's at now. She's Mm. one of the first picked in the team. So that's a growth over just, you know... Months. 10 months, Mm. whatever it is. Um, So we've got 18 months now to get her in prime form for the Women's World Cup. She's playing domestically in France. So um, I can just 
see her continuing to flourish and she's going to be one to watch when it comes to the World Cup here in Australia and teams are going to be frightened and so they should be. <laughs> well, let's return to the, the question of centre-backs, which no one seems to have a clear answer for. Uh, Courtney Nevin got some minutes over these two games. Jessica Nash with the baptism mm. of fire and, mm. you know, uh, you never want a, a debut to start like it did for her, but uh, 17 years of age, we'll, we'll forgive her. Given that we're 18 months out from a World Cup on home soil, do you think... Uh, blooding these young centre-backs is, do we have enough time for this? Or should we be maybe returning to more conventional, more experienced uh, depth Wise. options such as, say, a Gem- Jenna McCormick or an Emma Checker? Yeah, look, it is, it is concerning. I think that to start off first with, with Jessica Nash, yes, um, she's had a starting debut and we've conceded within the first minute of the game. Uh, but other than that one moment, I think that she really stood up and showed a lot of maturity to, to finish out the half. Um, so I think that she's got a, a bright future ahead of her. Was she ready to play international football against the world number one? Uh, you know, potentially not at this stage. Is she going to be in the future? Definitely. She's, mm. she's got all the qualities. Um, but it is that big question of is he looking to blood players that are too young? Um, looking at the the World Cup and given it's you know not that far away, um, it's just that I think in Australia we have a really big gap in players uh, sort of in their early twenties, mm. and for me that's because of we don't have a very good development program for players once they get out of the young Matilda's age, which is under 19. They don't play once, football. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's only a half year, you know, semi-professional mm. football in the A-League. And then it's back to, you know, local NPL leagues. Um, and because you, you, we don't have an under 23s national team, if you haven't already made the Matildas by the time you're 19, it's almost like, oh, well, they're obviously not good enough. So I think holistically there's a there's a bigger issue, um, but whether these young players are going to be ready by the time the World Cup comes around, I don't know. It's it is frightening uh, for me, yeah. um, but potentially he needs to look closer at you, you know, know those players who are in that early twenties playing in the A League. Let me take you back a few years. Um, I can remember heading off to Italy for the World Cup in 1990, which was a long, long time ago. And I remember the, the, all the talk beforehand about Italy, whether they'd be there or thereabouts. They had an experimental uh, side. Uh, they had some outstanding talent, but they, di- they didn't know quite how to put it together. And lo and behold, come the, uh, the World Cup in 1990, they were the best team that didn't win the trophy. They, they only lost one game, and that was the game against Argentina, Diego Maradona's Argentina in Naples, and that was more politics than actual football. <laughs> um, so what I'm, what I'm taking you to is sometimes you've got to be really bold and brave mm. because they say fortune favours the brave. Is this Tony Gustafsson saying to all and sundry, listen, I'm going to throw them all in. We're going we're gonna to find out whether we can temper them uh, you know, in match play. I know, it's, I know it's dangerous, but what can you do? Uh, he's he's only just arrived uh, as the coach, and as he so eloquently said after the game in the match day comments, he says, "No, I'm not leaving. I'm staying on to do the sorts of things I haven't been able to do for, the, or I should have done for the last year." So he's got a lot of people mm. to meet, a lot of people to go and see, and of course we've got the A League Women starts tomorrow. 
Yeah? So I'm sure he's going to go around and watch as many games as possible. Um, and that's seriously exciting. Am I, am I too optimistic and you're going to temper me and pull me back? Or do you think maybe you have something there, George? Maybe. No, I, I definitely think you've got something there and, and brave is a very easy way to explain what Tony has been doing over the last uh, 18 months in control. He's been very brave in the selections he's made and, and I think that we're kind of at the stage where we need to be brave uh, and potentially in the past we haven't been brave enough and that's why we've got ourselves in this dilemma. So, Good girl. I mean, I think you look at Ellie Carpenter when she came in and, oh, yeah. and Alan Stajic was very brave when he took her to the Olympics sure. and now look at her. She's, oh. she's one of the best fullbacks in the world. So I think that, you know, you can be rewarded by being brave and... Uh, I definitely take my hat off to Tony Gustafson for being so brave. Well, Georgia, let's turn our attention to the A-League women's that kicks off this weekend. Uh, your prediction for the chi- title winners... On, you're not always... allowed to say West, West, Western Sydney Wanderers well, either. In my opinion, I look at the squads and Melbourne Victory and Sydney <laughs> FC are the, are the two sides to beat again, last season's grand finalists. Yeah, look, I, I would have to agree with you. I'm putting Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC up there. Um, for title contenders. They've always got um, very good squads and they've managed to maintain a lot of their players from last year. Uh, another team that I think will, will come through this year is Canberra United. A few really good signings and the returning of Ash Sykes mm. um, after I think she's retired twice now. So it's great to see uh, Ash Sykes back in the league. Um, but yeah, you, you can't go past Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory with um, Kyra Cooney-Cross there uh, and now the signing of Courtney Nevin, who are both coming off the back of Olympic experience and how much that is, that will grow them as players. What about City? Look, it's, it's, it's an improved City side from last year, um, but they're not the, the strength that they used to be when they had... We almost called them the Matildas when they signed everyone uh, a few years ago and they were going back-to-back. I think that they're a stronger side than they were previously. Um, they've got Wilkinson, who is the starting striker for uh, New Zealand, and she's going to be a big presence for them up front. Um, and then, obviously, the return of Rebecca Stott. What yeah. a great story that is. Super story. Um, great player. Yeah. And she's a terrific uh, young woman who's just uh, done everything that she needed to do to, one, get herself healthy again, and then return to the field and make herself available, hopefully, to be part of that uh, New Zealand team when the Women's World Cup uh, has that opening game, of course, in New Zealand 2023. That, that would be some story, wouldn't it, Georgia? Yeah, and well, what an inspiration she is to so many people as well as, you know, what you can achieve when you, when you set your mind to it and... Um, her being able to come back, I'm sure that if she's back to full fitness, she will be in that um, New Zealand national team for the the World Cup yeah. um, because she's such a good player when she's uh, at full fitness. What about your mob, the Wanderers? <laughs> uh, how do you see them doing this season? Oh, well, they've, they've improved already because they got rid of their deadwood, didn't they? Oh, um, <laughs> what were we going to say to you? Uh, any chance of you returning to the field? But clearly Harps has got you weighed down and you can't get free. 
yeah, no, there will be no return for me this year. Uh, the the body's taken a bat, battering, and I haven't run in six months, so I think it'll take. Has me the body a repaired years, itself? Really. Have you repaired yourself from all those mm-hmm. foot foot challenges? Yeah, not not fully, to be honest. Wow. Um, I'm still struggling a little bit with with both my ankles, um, which has always been an issue throughout my career. So. I'm kind of uh, reassessing things and deciding whether I want to be able to walk at 50 or yeah. if I keep playing. So Take I'm tip. enjoying Take all the tip. commentary. Take a <laughs> tip. Look after yourself. It, it means yeah. an awful lot. Um, by the way, just get um, Harps to sit down and it'll yeah. be a lot easier for you because I can't believe they've sat you right next to Harps when you do those uh, analyses uh, early in the game and late at halftime. It's unfair. It's gross. I'd, I'd get you a stepladder and get you up there to push you down. Just say to him, Harps, please. George says, move. move. Just get them to turn on your mic up and Harps is down so you can get a word in occasionally. Uh, George, uh, yeah. fantastic to have you on the program. We better let you go. Uh, best of luck with all the coverage and uh, thank you for your insights. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. On you, Georgia. All the best.